Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. is underway our post day as usual is on thursday all new episodes be sure to subscribe and be sure to check it out each and every week in-depth interviews with some of your favorite artists and we got a great one for you this week of course um had some great stuff the last couple weeks too hope you guys have gone back and checked out uh, joe perry and lou graham and head and jonathan from corn and chavo from system of a down some great variety with classic rock, newer guys, a, a nice mix there, and appreciate you guys listening and checking out the podcast. Now, the interviews, as I always tell you, are derived from my Sirius XM radio show, which is heard every day live on volume channel 106 between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern time with a replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and on demand anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, hope you join me for Trunk Nation on volume each and every day. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, we've got a great interview coming your way. As usual, my schedule is super crowded with a lot of stuff going on, including tomorrow, the 13th of September. I'll be in Tulsa, IDL Ballroom, to host L.A. Guns. The 20th of September, I will be in Shawnee, Oklahoma, Fire Lake Arena, hosting Deep Purple, Pat Travers, and Joyous Wolf, and something really cool happening there in Shawnee. They're going to attempt to break the Guinness Book of World Records for the most guitars to consecutively play the riff to smoke on the water. All you got to do is show up. There's a, if you go to the local rock station there in Oklahoma City, their website, cat, K-A-T-T dot com, you'll see the details. Basically, you just show up. Steve Morse of Deep Purple is going to lead the whole thing. It's going to be really cool and hopefully break a Guinness Book of World Records playing that completely iconic guitar riff. So that's all going down September 20th. 
And then some stuff pending for that following week, which I'm waiting to hear about in L.A. Then we have Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party. And then that rolls into Exit 111 in Tennessee. And then that rolls into the Megadeth Cruise. And it just keeps going from there. Schedule's incredible. Lots of huge, great stuff going on. Please check the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Come out and see me out and about if I'm headed to your areas. And, of course, always follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, where I'm most up to the second active with what's going on. You can also follow on Instagram and fan page on Facebook, simply at my name. When on my website, be sure to enter in uh, E.T.'s box office for your chance to win some tickets. And also, speaking of the Megadeth Cruise, I'm going to be giving away some cabins. That contest, if it's not up already, will be on my site. Uh, If it's not there already, it will be any minute. But I have cabins to give away for the Mega Cruise, which is the Megadeth, Testament, Overkill, Anthrax, Queensryche, huge metal cruise leaving from L.A. You can enter to win a free cabin on eddytrunk.com. So make sure you get on that. That should be an awesome, awesome time, and I'll be on board that as well. Like I said, keep an eye on the site, keep an eye on my Twitter, and I'll share more with you as I know. And hopefully, I believe, hopefully by the time you hear this, that contest will be up there and active. If not yet, it certainly will be soon. Hey, let me tell you guys about Arm & Hammer Cloud Control Cat Litter. My cats, I got two of them, Leo and Maddox. And those are, you know, we love the cats. Who doesn't love your pets, right? And we are definitely cat people in the trunk household in a big way. The cats have such a incredible impact on my kids, and they both have very distinct personalities, and we absolutely love the cats. Take them with us when we go on vacation. <laughs> I think some people in the house love the cats more than anybody else. (laughs) The only thing they don't love, though. The only thing you don't love about cats is cleaning up after them and cleaning that litter box. That's why Arm & Hammer has created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when you scoop. 100% dust free free of heavy perfumes, and it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. There's nothing worse than that. Being a cat person, finding that residue of the litter or the dust on your curtains, on your furniture, awful. Not with this. What you want is what happens in the litter box staying in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. The interview for you this week is with Corey Taylor. At the time I conducted this interview a couple of weeks ago, Slipknot had the number one album in America with their latest recording, currently on tour in the U.S. Corey is an old friend. He is a great, great music fan. He loves all sorts of rock and metal music. I've known him for a long time, and he was nice enough on a day off in Pittsburgh from the Slipknot tour to give a call in and talk a little bit about the tour, a little bit about the record, and in something that made a lot of news, talked a little bit about his plans following 
Slipknot's current album and tour cycle. So I think you're going to enjoy that. Uh, Corey Taylor of Slipknot coming up on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. And an interview that made a lot of news at the time because Corey did indeed reveal plans to do a solo record, which you will hear about uh, in the course of the interview as well. But before we get to Corey, I do want to be sure to tell you about something else really cool, and that's Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels, thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch it for free. Pluto TV is the easy, completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. You got it for free. So what are you waiting for? You never pay for TV again. Simply download Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. That includes your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Corey Taylor coming up. Real good interview. I think you're really going to like it. A lot of great response to this. Corey's a great guy and uh, great to, to hear stories from and doing unbelievable things with Slipknot, Stone Sour, and now as he is about to exclusively reveal in this interview a solo album somewhere down the line. And once again, I want to thank Arm & Hammer and New Cloud Control Litter for sponsoring today's episode. There's no cloud of nasties when you scoop. It's 100% dust-free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New Cloud Control Cat Litter from Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Corey Taylor. The Eddie Trunk Podcast, coming up next. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's time to turn it up with your favorite new podcast, Expeditiously with T.I. here on Podcast One. You can join the rapper, entrepreneur, family man, and activist as he bridges the gap and sheds light on important social topics and much more in an authentic eyebrow-raising dialogue that might make you want to pull out your dictionary. Download new episodes of Expeditiously with T.I. every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get into the interview for the week, and it is a good one with Corey Taylor, lead singer of Slipknot. And Stone Sour, this interview, again, courtesy of my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, on Volume Channel 106. It happened a couple of weeks ago. Corey calling in from the road on a day off in Pittsburgh with Slipknot. And here he is, Corey Taylor, on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. He currently has the number one album in America, ladies and gentlemen, with his band <laughs> Slipknot. Congratulations, Corey Taylor. How are you, my brother? I'm good, dude. How you doing, man? And thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> How does it feel, man, to, to have a, the number one? Like, for me as a rock fan, even if I didn't like you, I'd be happy <laughs> just for rock. Just because right, right. you you knocked out all the, like, the pop and hip-hop. And, like, on top of the charts is a metal rock album. Like, that's awesome. I'm so happy, man. 
Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I was talking to the guys about this, just about like what what an accomplishment it is. You know, I mean, not only after twenty years, but just in this environment that is just so anti-rock, anti-metal, like very, very. It's almost like you know the the chips are stacked against us in so many different ways, and for for us to be able to kind of push that all out, overcome all of that stuff and, and have another number one, you know, like after 20 years in this kind of environment, like it's, it's, that's a hell of an achievement, man. Like, so we're, we're really stoked. We're very chuffed. And I, I was reading yesterday, we were talking about it a little bit on the air and breaking down some of the stats. And I, you know me, I'm a fan big time of, getting music physically like i'm still a hardcore cd guy all the way but whether your trip is cd or vinyl i'm all about having it physically and the packaging and the liner notes and all that so what i was reading is a large percentage of slipknot fans actually purchased the album in a physical format is that correct that we didn't we we haven't had all the uh the numbers come in but the the official number was one hundred sixteen thousand solid like physical cds that was outside of streams that was outside of digital sales that was just physical copies um which is is immense in this day and age you know yeah. like yeah and and that was just from the official sites like we uh we still were having numbers come in from like a lot of the mom and pop shops around the around the country which we do you know, we, we really try to work with them to make sure that, that we can, you know, help. Cause it's such a hard thing for them to keep in, in business now that we do, we do a lot of like work with them and send them like, like special edition copies, things that are, you know, signed and stuff. Like it's, it's been, it's been really cool, man. You know, like that people don't realize what, you know, streaming has done until you see a lot of, you know, a lot of bands having to hang it up because of it, you know? I don't know if you saw the uh, the, the breaking news today that uh, Eminem's publisher is is uh, suing Spotify and a, and a bunch of other streamers because they've been adding songs and not counting the streams. Did you see that? No, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's a big, big, big deal. Like he sees they're going full full core press, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Wow. I mean, you're, you're, and I've read some interviews with you. You've done recently for this album cycle. You're, you're very conflicted about the whole streaming thing, predominantly because of how shitty the royalties are for you. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, people get the wrong idea. It's like, I am not against streaming, you know, like I'm not, I'm not that asshole. You know, it's like, I don't care how people get the music, you know, my whole concern is the fact that you are supporting a platform that is putting artists out of business unless you can, you know, you can, you can get millions upon millions upon millions of streams. They're, they're chucking crumbs at people, you know, like I'm fortunate enough to be able to, you know, I can go out on the road and earn a living. I can, you know, we sell merch. I can earn a living like that. But what about these bands that can't do that? You know, how are they supposed to do that? You know, so for me, it's like, I don't care if you stream the music. My problem isn't with the fan. My problem is with the streaming services themselves. The fact 
that artists are not being compensated for the work that they have sl- like sweat, toiled, like they busted their ass to 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 record, to create, uh, and then put themselves in hock to a record label that you know is getting paid first from streaming services before the artists, which is really crazy because then the artists have to pay the money back that it took to go in and record this thing in the first place. There's so many things that are against the artist these days now that I it's that's that's the that's the problem I have is the fact that it, it seems like we're we are trying to run a marathon in quicksand, you know, and 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 the fans get it wrong. It's like we don't care how you get the music; we care that people are not being compensated. That's the whole point of this. Not to get into your personal business, but were you able to? Because a band like Tool, who sat out on streaming for the longest time, they've got a new record right. coming out. So strategic timing, they're jumping into streaming right now, and now their stuff is up there. But a lot of these artists, if they hold out for a while, they're able to make a at least reasonable deal to at least see some of the money from it more favorably. So in the Slipknot camp, were, were you guys able to structure a deal for yourselves that is at least remotely fair, or are you just kind of on streaming reluctantly? We didn't get a, a choice in it, basically. Um, but, you know, that's it's one of those things where the cards were definitely in the label's favor. Um, mm. So they just kind of, they just kind of threw us up there uh, along with the rest of the, the roster. You know, but as um, a major and Corey, I mean, you're, we're talking today. You got the number one album, not only in America but in other parts of the world as well. So you guys right. have you guys have leverage. You guys have uh, you're you're in you know, a sweet spot. You actually are in a really really big band right now. So were right. you a, are you able to apply some of that leverage and and you know to push back a little bit if you wanted to? I think we can the next time we go to renegotiate. Um, right. Uh, unfortunately we didn't do it this time around, you know, because we were in a situation where we hadn't renegotiated, you know, like the last time we did it was a couple albums ago. Let's put it that way. Um, And we, you know, at the time we didn't take that in consideration, you know, for, for whatever reason, whoever was doing the negotiating, it just, it was one of those things that at the time it wasn't a huge concern. And now we're, you know, unfortunately we find ourselves in a different climate, you know, so next time it happens, we have to, we have to think about that. So, you know, who knows if we're going to be in the the same position, I'm hoping we will, but you Mm. know, it's, it's one of those things like, like once again, I'm not, I'm more concerned about people who are not in my position. You know, I'm more concerned about the fact that up and coming bands aren't being able to make a living. You know, they can't, you know, take some time off of the road to spend time with their families because maybe there's some publishing coming in or royalties coming in. It's 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 insane what's going on right now. You know, I've, I've seen bands who have been doing it for a while have to hang it up because they don't make anything anymore on the back end. And that's that's just sad, man. You know, when bands can't, you know, you bust your ass for 15 years and you've got to hang it up because of that. That's not right. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. Look, I mean, with me, I'm still about, you know, like I said, owning it. I still I, I know it might be 
considered an antiquated position, but clearly not because a lot of people have bought, especially in the metal world, in the rock world, in the metal world, and people I've talked to in bands and labels, that that's where there's really been a, a great degree of support still for physical formats, and that's good to see. And I think somebody told me, like, in and you'd know better than I do because you toured the world, oh, yeah. but, like, in Japan, uh, the CD is still king. Like, they still worship the oh, CD yeah. there. It's so that, to me, is really encouraging to hear because I think all this stuff is cyclical to some degree and what's out will soon come back again. I mean, you got guys releasing records on cassettes. And I know, <laughs> right? track and I mean, it's crazy. Did you do a cassette <laughs> of, of the new album? You didn't do it on cassette, did you? No, nah, I don't think we did a cassette, uh, but I, I, I thought about it. I wanted to do a cassette with the last Stone Sour album. And they wouldn't they wouldn't print them for us. I was really bummed. But uh, I got a stat yeah. for you. I got a stat for you next time you are considering that. So there's a documentary I watched and I had the director on called Cassette. It's just called Cassette. I got it on iTunes okay. or something. And uh, it's about the invention of the cassette and how important it was, but also about cassettes. Now, you ready for this? Do you know that I think it was a year or two years ago in the U.S. alone? 170,000 new cassettes were sold. 170. Like, I'm not talking about, like, old ones. or Like, newly produced cassettes, 170,000 were sold. That's crazy. (laughs) It's nuts. That's crazy, dude. I know. I know. And I think it's driven. Somebody said it was driven by, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and the whole, like, kids seeing that. I didn't see the movie, but apparently there's, like, mixtapes or something in there. And people sort of went for the nostalgia of cassettes. It's actually a really cool uh, point in the movies. You're talking to a a Marvel nerd, so I can tell you all about it. Um, It actually ties back to the main character, Peter Quill, and his mother, who passes away. She is sharing her love of music with him, so she makes him mixtapes of the music that she grew up listening to or continued to like, like her favorite songs. And that's one of the reasons why the, the the soundtracks are called um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, and it's a, and it's a cassette tape, and it's it's written right on the the cassette tape itself, Volume One. It's really really cool, man. So that that actually makes a lot of sense. I should have known if I had a question regarding a nerd movie that Corey Taylor would be the best person to oh, answer man. that. I'm your hotline. <laughs> Put up I'm the Corey hotline. Taylor hotline for anything. <laughs> pretty much me, pretty much my whole audience, myself included, fall in that category. It just depends whatever like you're into, of course. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, so let's talk about the record a little bit. You know, I listened to this record and correct me if I'm wrong, because I you know me, I love stuff with some more melody and more I love when you sing because I love your voice. And to right. me on this record, although there's a lot of really heavy moments, there's a lot, maybe more so moments than ever where there's some dynamics going on and you're singing versus the, the, the heavier voice, like a little more across the record. Am I crazy on that? Or is that really what's going on? No, it was, it was actually, it was kind of cool, man, because I, I, we, I knew I wanted to go, I wanted to go really dark, you know? Um, but at the same time, I knew that I've, I've never been the guy that has been like, you know what, I'm just going to I'm just going to scream over this part. I'm just going to I always try to to find what feels the best over those certain parts. You know, like I never try to force a heavy part 
on something that just feels like it could be an incredible melody, you know? Like, I always try to go with what the, the vibe of the song, the soul of the song deserves. And on this album, there were so many heavy moments, but then they would break down into these naturally, like, huge choruses. And I was just like, I'm not going to, like, you know, shortchange these songs just because it's a Slipknot album, you know? And it's actually a lot more in line with volume three, where there's a ton of mal- melody on that album. And, you know, the balance is really, really there. So it's almost like a darker version of volume three, um, where we really experimented more with melody and stuff, but this has just got that harder edge to it. Um, and it just worked, you know, especially, you know, with the, uh, the overall theme, the overall vibe that, me and clown and Jim were really trying to craft, you know, there's, there's definitely an electronic vibe there. There's almost an industrial vibe. Uh, We wanted to bring some of that darkness, that eeriness back that we had played with long time ago. Um, But also just try to make it feel like a modern album, you know? And I, I feel like we really, you know, we really accomplished that just with, the different tones, the different the, the the fact that it's heavy and yet it's really melodic. I, like I really feel like we outdid ourselves. You know what track jumped out to me, and if you could tell me a little bit about it, because it really has, it was a completely different vibe that that hits you towards the back end of the record is my pain. Yeah, that song. That song actually a song that Clown put together musically, and it is so cinematic almost and it's you know we knew we knew it was going to be a polarizing song there are people who love it and there are people who are like i don't know what this is i just can't wait to skip it but when you really it's one of those it's it's a headphone song you know it's one of those things that well that's how i heard it that that's exactly how i heard it i had headphones on i was like whoa this is this is cool i mean this is really it's a it's a it's a totally different you know the record to me really cool great records take you on that sort of journey that's why i love so much about listening to records as a complete thing that's why i love throwing a cd in my in the drawer and just really listening top to bottom because of that journey that uh, the way a record sequenced and and you have all those interstitial things those one minute you know sort of things in between some songs just the whole thing. And, and, and uh, I was like, when I heard that song, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. It kind of had a little bit of a a nine inch nails vibe at times. Like, I don't know, something like hurt or something like that. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, you know, and clown, like he has written so many songs like that over in the past, you know, when he brought this one in, like it was almost like he was sharing something um, that he, uh, you know, wasn't sure would work, but it it's it was so personal for him as well because he and I both do vocals on it. He does uh, he does the my pain parts and then I do the bit in the middle. Um, but it's such a personal song for him uh, that I knew that if we were going to do it right, it had to be something that that takes you somewhere maybe uncomfortable. You know, it definitely takes people out of their. Uh, comfort zone if they're not used to listening to it and I love the fact my favorite thing has been seeing online where people have balked at that song at first 
you know, and then now they're coming back to, and they're listening to the album more and more. And they're like, you know what, God, that song just keeps coming back. And there's something about it. That's yeah. the stuff that I love, you know, the stuff that it's not the, the hit and run, you know, like you listen to an album once you're like, okay, I never need to listen to that again. It's the fact that this, this album keeps coming back for certain people and they keep coming back to it and, and really, really like delving even further into it. And it's, and it's, they find something different every time. And that's so gratifying for me. Now you're on tour right now. And, and I appreciate you taking time out. You're, you're off today. So I appreciate you spending some of your day off talking to me and, and doing this, All but um, how much of the album, ha- I mean, you guys got a pretty big catalog now. How much of the album are you doing live on this current tour? We're slowly but surely incorporating more. Uh, we're adding things here and there. Uh, we added Solway first, which was the second de facto single that we put out. Um, is actually tied to uh, that TV show, The Boys. I don't know if you if, uh, like seen the video or anything like that, but there's a lot of uh, singings from the first season in there. Uh, mm-hmm. We're uh, but we're adding. I think we're going to add like two more actually. You can start changing some stuff around. This is largely the same set that we've been doing since Europe. Um, and it's time to kind of, you know, shake it up and, and do some t- We're taking some, uh, some stuff out, adding new stuff, adding, uh, you know, rearranging some of the older stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're constantly changing the set and adding some more and, and, uh, getting, getting more of the new album in. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're still, able to do like put albums out and have it have that kind of impact because we're not one of those people we're not one of those bands that puts an album out and then we still just go out and do the greatest hits we are constantly like it's the same reason that maiden does it you know maiden will put an album out but then they put new songs in the set and let people live with it and experience it live you know it's so important if you want to stay uh vital you know, if you want to keep that vitality, you have to think, like constantly keep incorporating the new music in there so people can embrace it the way they did the old stuff, you know? Yeah, Iron Maiden basically says, if, if we have a new record out, you're going to hear a lot of the new records, so be prepared. And if, like, they, like at the moment, now they're touring in the U.S., they don't have a new record out, so it's like, okay, we're going to give you a bunch of throwback stuff. It's going to be more of a retro show. But they, right. they, have a, they have a cycle on and off where they tell you flat out, hey, if we're on tour for a new album, get the record, learn it, because you're going to get a lot of it. And you know, we're, when we're not, then we'll give you the, the old school stuff. Did you get a chance to see them on this tour, Corey? No, I haven't. Um, it, it's one of the few tours that they've done that I haven't been able to see yet, man. Like I usually am able to see them like every other year when they come out on tour and it's, it's killing me right now. Isn't it? As a Maiden fan, I'm like, Oh, I got to see this new set. Like they're to me, they're the high watermark as far as like being a live band. Man. Like they are to me, the pinnacle because at the, after so after this many years doing it at that level and Bruce yeah. Dickinson is just the ultimate, you know, like if I can't keep up with him, then I just need to hang it, hang it up you know so like i so i'm you know i'm in the gym i'm training i'm like doing everything i can because he's no and the thing the thing about bruce that you forget is that because he's still so good and and out there on that huge stage running around at his age for two hours is that this guy is also coming off of 
beating cancer. Yeah, which is insane. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, throat cancer or, or tongue or whatever on top of it, and he's singing like yeah. that. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he is just – he's a mutant to me. I mean, he's just like – and he also flies the plane. Like, how much <laughs> more – how much more can you just bury me, Bruce? Come on, man. You're killing me out there. <laughs> well, listen, along those lines, you know, we had some calls from from people to this show who have come to uh, shows on this current Slipknot tour that you've hit all places you've hit already. And the one word that they've all brought up is intensity, the intensity coming off the stage, which anybody that's seen Slipknot knows that's a, that's a trademark. But for you, I mean, how, how are you holding up? I mean, you're out there. Some of these places are pretty hot. I'm sure you're outside. You're wearing the masks. You've already had issues, I know, with your neck or back or whatever. I mean, you know, obviously you're younger than someone like Bruce Dickinson, but you're the, the the energy and intensity you've got to bring every night. How how do how are you holding up? I um, basically uh, a few years ago I decided that if I wanted to keep doing this at a level that I consider uh, uh, I don't know, elite I guess is the only way to look at it is like I have to get my health under control you know. Um, So I, you know, I quit everything, basically. I mean, I'd quit drinking nine years ago, but I quit smoking five years ago um, and it has improved my voice like nobody's business. Um, I work out pretty much every day um, if I'm not on tour. uh, And when I'm on tour, I work out on the days off, you know, just to keep my body on it. I mean, I I just had uh, double knee surgery, too. so I've been trying to, you know, trying to kind of get through that. I'm still fighting my knees on that. But when you when you believe in what you do and when you want to keep being the best at what you do, you find ways to do it. So I'm not jumping off, you know, 10-foot uh, risers anymore, but I'm still running around the stage. I'm still nailing every part. I'm still giving every ounce of energy, you know, because that's – that's the only way I know how to do it. And if I can't do it like that, then I'm going to stop, you know, like people come to a slipknot show and they expect a certain level of energy, a certain level of anxiety too, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's like, if we can't go out there and put on a slipknot show, then it's time to hang the masks up. So, for me, anyway, and I can't speak for anybody else in the band, but I know that they're just as dedicated as I am. For me, it is all about making myself physically ready to go out and just destroy for an hour and a half every night, you know? And we're actually talking about going up to two hours and, and over, you know, just to see if we can do it, like adding things to the set that will will just make this show so much more than your typical metal show. And that's, that's how you stay on top. You know, that's, that's how you, you know, it's sometimes it's easier to get to the top than it is to stay on top. And for us, we're constantly challenging ourselves. And that's, that's what I do for myself is to make sure that I am absolutely ready physically to go out on that stage and leave everything there, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I, I respect the hell out of the commitment to do that because it's not it's not for the uh, faint of heart what you guys do and what <laughs> no, you're able to bring no out there <laughs> every night. It's pretty amazing. Hey, I I know you're on it on a day off here, but there's there's uh there's a few other things I want to hit you with, and I got to do a break. Can you give me another ten or fifteen? 
Yeah, of course, man. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate it. I want to ask you a few other things about the record and the tour and just hit you with a few things, and I'll let you enjoy uh, the rest of your day off. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get back to more with Corey Teller right now on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Corey, as, as we pick up the conversation here, speaking of the new record, I read where, I guess it was Clown said, that you guys have about 11 songs from the All Hope Is Gone sessions that kind of tie in with this new record that you hope to release. Is there anything you can say about that? That's, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, we've been trying to find a way to release those songs for God knows how long. Um, they were actually... It was something that we were recording. We had basically had two, two different studios going on. And, uh, you know, one group of guys was recording uh, what what ended up becoming uh, Look Outside Your Window. And then the, the bulk of the band was making All Hope Is Gone. Um, the, the stuff from Look Outside Your Window is really, really, I, I mean, there's no real way to describe it. It's, really it's experimental but it's super vibey super uh super melodic um it's really good um it, it's really it's hard to explain there's just there's something about those songs that are very uh very solemn um uh very energetic very artistic um for for people who are used to a certain way of slipknot sounding uh you, this doesn't sound anything like that. It's much more of a rock vibe, much more of a, honestly, it's much more of like a Radiohead vibe, to be honest. Um, and I, man, I tried like hell to, to make those two worlds come together. Like all hope is gone and, uh, and look outside your window, um, to the point where I was taking songs from both and kind of putting them together. Um, like uh, an arrangement, like sequencing. Um, I had like two different versions of All Hope Is Gone that I had put together with songs from that. And just honestly, because of the the rifts, the uh, the emotional rifts that were in the band, right? The, the turmoil that was going on is just nobody wanted to nobody wanted to try and make that work. Um, so what we ended up with was All Hope Is Gone. And then this unreleased album, which we've been trying to find a way to release this for a really long time. And I, and I think, uh, I think, uh, clown has found, like figured out a way to do it. So I guess that's going to see the light of day, but I mean, they keep threatening to do that like every couple of years. So I'm not really sure when it comes out, I'll, I'll be like, okay, cool. It, it's out now. Um, and I, I'd love for people to hear it it's got some of my best writing some of my best uh singing on it um it's i think people will really really dig it but like i said it doesn't really sound like the slipknot that that people are used to so it's uh it's a lot more in the vein of like the the more melodic stuff on this album so are you so the hesitation and issue with getting it out is just the the proper context to present it in because obviously yeah. if you turned it over to the label tomorrow they'd put it out in 2 seconds I'm sure but it's right. really the timing and the way you guys frame it I would think 
Yeah, basically. Um, it, it all came down to, you know, how, how we wanted to present it to the fans, you know. Um, I think there's a large percentage of the fans who will actually really, really dig it. Obviously, the people who are into the heavier stuff probably won't get it at first. They might dig it later. But, um, yeah, it, it's, just a, it's, all, it, it's always about the right time with Clown. Once you spend more time with Clown, you realize that the wizard is always trying to figure out the right time for everything, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I respect him for that, man. Like, that's the artist in him. You know, he's been... Honestly, he's been our secret weapon since day one. You know, the stuff that the reason that, you know, everything sounds as interesting as it does and looks as cool, like all of the artwork, it's all because of him. And I don't think anybody in the band really gives him enough credit. So I'm going to do my my very best to make sure that he gets all that credit. And, uh, you know, for him, this album this, you know, this Look Outside Your Window album was really his baby. And he spent a lot of time and a lot of like we put a lot of uh, emotion into that album and uh, it'll be really cool to see people finally get to hear it, you know? And speaking of members of the band, uh, Jay plays his ass off on this record. And yeah. uh, I mean, you know, I, I got to know Jay, I had him on the show a couple of times, really, really nice guy. Obviously everybody knows the story. He grew up a huge Slipknot fan. His dad is uh you know Max Weinberg from Springsteen's band, but he he's been in the band now for for a while and seems to have really settled in nicely and just kills on this record. How how's how's things been going with the youngster out there on the road? Oh, he's been great. You know, uh, the great thing about Jay is his enthusiasm, man. Like it's infectious for me, which is great. You know, it, it balances out some of these curmudgeons that I've been in a band with for 20, you know twenty odd years. Um, you can just see that he's just stoked, man. He, he loves to play. And that just makes it reminds you that, you know, it's, this is supposed, there's a part of this that's supposed to be fun too. Right. You know? So, so it's, it's good, man. Uh, between him and the new guy. Um, that, well, that's man. the thing. There's, there's always this level of mystery with Slipknot, whether it's unreleased records, who's behind the mask. So now all the rage is the identity of the man known as Tortilla Man. <laughs> that, that name is never going away. And that's what never so happy about it. Does he yeah. like tortillas, Corey? Does he even eat oh. tortillas? Oh, he loves them. You know, he prefers hard shell, but, you know, he goes for tortillas, you know. Half is he corn or flour? Do we, can we reveal that? Well, you know, I, I think he tends to go more for a vegan option. So, uh, oh. probably corn, corn when it gets down to it. <laughs> is that fun for you guys to see all that stuff online and people like speculating? I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be fun to keep some level of mystique in the band all the time, right? Oh it's, oh, it's great. You know, I did an interview uh, with uh, Rockfeed News uh, like a week ago or so, um, and I I <laughs> I said that it was it was Tito Puentes, and <laughs> people who had never heard of Tito Puentes were like, "Oh my God, he totally revealed who it." I'm like, "Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you like? It is amazing." The level of ridiculousness that not only permeates this band, but permeates the fandom of this band. I'm just sitting back going, I, I'll feed you guys whatever. I mean, it's beautiful. Just laying those little clues and people lose their mind. It's awesome. 
Have you seen any of the speculation online about the identity of Tortilla Man being correct? I've seen a couple of things, and none of them have been right so far. So I'm just nothing's like, right. No, no, I'm I'm loving it, dude. It's like so maybe it is Tito Puente. <laughs> yeah, we, d- we dug him up. Dug him up. I mean that that'd be very Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, oh God. Minds. <laughs> how long will you keep that mystery up? Because, like with Jay, you kept it up for a little while. How how long is it? Just until it comes out, or do you eventually say, "Okay, here is here is who is Tortilla Man"? Uh, you know what? I mean, for us, it's more about it's more about just keeping the 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 spirit alive, you know. And you know, new guy doesn't care, so we're just like, ah, you know what? Even if somebody gets it right, we're not going to confirm it. Like it's one of those things where just like we don't, you know, for us it's just more about getting the band out there, and you know, because to, to be honest, the one thing that kind of reminded us that the band is more important is that you know even after the album came out, you know, people were still into the band no matter who was in it. You know, so to us, it's reminded us that the band is more important than worrying about, you know, conjecture about who Tortilla Guy is. You know, so we've we've just basically kind of, you know, we we uh, politely answer those questions, uh, but never never fully commit to any correct answer. <laughs> hey, speaking of the anonymity thing, I was thinking about this earlier. Now, of course, everybody knows what you look like without the mask and stone sour. You don't wear the mask. You've done solo right. shows. I mean, you've been out there forever, but, but obviously in Slipknot, you know, there's the masks and all that, but, but even though everybody sort of knows to some degree what you look like and anybody that wants to know can, um, I still would think that wearing the mask in Slipknot has afforded you some level of anonymity. I mean, because it would, I think it would just be different if you were singing in Slipknot without that mask. I would think now, correct me if I'm wrong. Like you're in Pittsburgh. If you wanted to go out to the mall today and do a little shopping, you probably could do that pretty much for the most part unscathed or am I wrong? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, look, but if you didn't wear that mask in Slipknot and you were playing there tomorrow night, I think it would be different. Well, you know, my, uh, my you know, the thing that I always say is that, that I'm the most famous person that nobody's ever heard of, basically, <laughs> you know, and I kind of love that, you know, like I get all of the benefits of that kind of level of fame and yet I can still go out and do my own goddamn grocery shopping, you know, like I can still I get, you know, I get recognized more than you think. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Like if we weren't here, uh, nobody would be looking for me, you know, like nobody would have like kind of that heads up is like, you know, know, some of the guys that slip out might be around, you know, if I just came here to do something like I came here a while back to get molded with, uh, Tom Savini and nobody knew that I was going to be in town. So I was able to walk around with pretty much total anonymity. And that was, that was, it's, it's so good to be able to have the benefits of fame and yet none of that, you know, crap. I mean, I still have to, you know, hide where I live and, and all that stuff because, you know, there, I, there are some crazy fans out there, but at the same time, it's like, 
I only really roll with a, a security guard every once in a while um, if it's really, really weird. But, yeah, I can still kind of live my life, and I, I guess I'm yeah. really fortunate for that, you know? Yeah, and I would think, obviously, that, the, you know, addresses and personal stuff, sure. And I, 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 I you know, you're certainly recognizable. I don't mean that, but I just meant that if, if yeah. Slipknot didn't have the masks – that I think that it would be a whole different level where uh, of, oh, rec- yeah. of being able to be recognized. I mean, yeah. you know, a, a guy like Slash obviously can't go anywhere. You know, it's a different oh, thing. But yeah. then you think I'm... back to obviously the early days of Kiss when they were anonymous. And then more recently with Ghost, you know, I had Tobias on this show and I was shocked because he walked into the studio and he was cool with photos and stuff. And he had he had a little bit of a wig or something on, but he really that's when he started to gradually at that time shy shy away from the no photos thing, and now he's out there just doing stuff without you know any sort of mask or anything. So right. I guess that's sort of a decision you make as you go. If you start off kind of being somewhat anonymous, and then at some point you kind of let that guard down a little bit, but I still think it benefits you in terms of just having somewhat of a normal life. Well, people, what people don't realize is that. You know, the anonymity was kind of a, a byproduct of why we started wearing the masks in the first place. For us, it was a statement in a lot of ways. It was an artistic thing, you know, and that's one of the reasons why we continue to wear them uh, and change them up, not only with the masks, but the, the uniforms that we wear, because it was, a, right. it was more of a statement about, because at the time, when we first came out, everybody was so worried about their hairdo or their new pants, or like very much what it is now. Uh, but we were supposed to be the antithesis of that. You know, it's like, you want my hair, dude? Screw you. You don't even get my face. Here's my mask. You want my name? Oh, you don't get that either. Here's my number. You want my, you want, you don't want to see, you want to see the trendy thing that I'm wearing? No, screw you. Here's my out, here's my uniform and my barcode. It was an artistic expression of who we were inside of that music, you know? And I think that's a lot of people, misinterpreted that as I don't want to say as, for lack of a better term a gimmick but it was supposed to be more of a social statement you know than anything else the anonymity was a byproduct of that you know and so we just kind of went with it but then it was really when I did uh, when me and Jim started doing Stone Sour I was like well I'm not going to wear a mask in Stone Sour because Stone Sour was a band before that I'm not going to hide my face and, and do that. Plus, we wanted to make sure that Stone Sour made it on its own terms. I didn't want it to be, you know, that you know those dudes from Slipknot. I wanted to really right. earn it on our own. So that was really when it started to kind of break away from that. But the concept remained the same. If if we were if we were just c- completely committed to the anonymity, it would have been a, a different a different thing with stone sour, but because it was more of an artistic expression, that was, that, that was why it was okay to kind of split them up and really have one and the other be completely different because we were doing them for totally different reasons. In the early days of Slipknot, did you ever, did you guys ever consider going the makeup route versus an actual mask? I mean, we wore makeup underneath and actually my first, my first show that I did with Slipknot was actually way more makeup based. Um, I had uh, I'd painted my face and then I had liquid latex across my eyes and stuff. But the it, it we did my first show happened to be the, the hottest show of the year um, in this club in Des Moines, 
And within the first song, everything that I had spent hours putting together melted and was just <laughs> completely gone to the point where I was like, I might as well just been up there with no clothes on basically, you know? So after that, the guys helped me come up with a, uh, with a mask and yeah, it just, it just felt better. You know, we put makeup on underneath to kind of give it a little more depth and whatnot to, to make it look less like you're wearing a mask and more like you're in, you know, you're into that character. But, um, no, we never we never thought about it, man. You know, for us, it was more about the statement than it was the makeup. You know, couple quick things, and I'll let you run. So, on, you mentioned Stone Sour. So, obviously, that's on the back burner now because you're in Slipknot mode. Yeah. But there is a plan for Stone Sour. I would su- assume when this album cycle wraps up. Actually, uh, I'm not sure yet. To be honest, um, I'm actually giving serious thought to doing a solo album and a solo run. Um, well, you did some, so, you know, I was, I was in a, I think I just missed you in LA and I know yeah. you played a solo show under your own name at the Roxy. My good buddy, Zach Throne played with you. I think he, he told yeah, me he did yeah, some gigs. Yeah, yeah. Zach's yeah, a great yeah. friend and, and a talented guy. So yeah. So, so that's, that's something I was going to ask you about too. Like Corey Taylor solo versus Slipknot and what's going to happen going into that world. Well, I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen for a while, and I'm actually giving you the exclusive because I haven't told anybody that I was going to do that. Um, I'm not going to get uh, Tortilla Man, but I'm going to get this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, lay it no, on me, I, brother. <laughs> you know, honestly, it's something that um, I hadn't, I didn't even consider for a long time uh, until people just kept beating me up about it, like asking me when I was going to do it. And the more they kept asking, the more I just kept thinking about it. The more I was just like, you know what? If I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. So, yeah, probably 2020, uh, 2021, um, I'm uh, actually putting a band together. I've already told the guys in Stone Sour and uh, Slipknot that I'm doing it, uh, just out of respect. And, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working on a solo album. Um, and it's yeah, it's. I mean, that's all I'll give you for now. But yeah, that's it's that's that's the plan as of right now. Well, you you like a wide variety of rock music, and I know you and I bonded over the our love of the '80s stuff as well. So right. doing something under your own name, just a, as a Corey Taylor record, I, I, I'm taking a, a, a assumption here, but I'm assuming you you're going to do something that's going to be a pretty wide net of rock, something that really. Um, is something you wouldn't do in Slipknot or Stone Sour. Would that be right? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to dabble in a little bit of everything. It'll have everything that I'm known for and more. Let's put it that way, you know, because the thing that I've always loved is when I go out and I do those, those solo cover shows, basically, right. is that people are always surprised by this, the songs that I pull out of my ass to play. And that's kind of what, this album will be is basically me writing all of the styles that maybe I haven't gotten to do with, with Slipknot and Stone Sour and just, and just going for it, just rolling the dice and being like, you know what? I got to put my money where my mouth is and just see what fucking happens. And is it going to be the kind of thing where you're going to want to have a lot of different musicians on different songs, or you said put a band together and it's one solidified thing. I'm going to have a core band. Um, that goes in, but I'm definitely going to have a bunch of my friends come in and, uh, and do some stuff. Like it's, it's going to be really cool, man. I'm, I'm actually really, really looking forward to it. 
Well, I am too, man. That sounds like it's going to be great. All right. So anything else on Slipknot? You got Knotfest stuff coming up, right? You just announced European dates. So the, the Slipknot world goes for at least, what, another year or so? Another year at least, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, everything's blowing up. So it's like it's feeling really good. So, yeah, we've got um, after this uh, after this road show tour, we've got uh, actually, well, I mean, we're doing Australia and New Zealand with Metallica, which is massive. Um, we're, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, there's only one band that we go on before and it's Metallica. And the fact that we're going into stadiums with them is ridiculous, you know? So it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, we're doing that. Uh, and then we come back, we got some time off and then we go into, uh, we're doing, uh, let's see, uh, Mexico, Central America, South America. Um, and then I, th- and I think we're done for the rest of the year. And then next year, yep, we go out with uh, Behemoth in in Europe. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's gearing up to be a crazy year. And I've I've been through Mexico and South America because that metal show was broadcast there, and it was really popular there. So I've done yeah. some things there. I just actually toured Mexico with Deep Purple, like in late December of last year. I know oh, wow. I've been to Brazil. I know what the rock and metal fans are like in those countries. I can't even imagine the insanity that it is when Slipknot goes to those territories. It's got to be ridiculous because everybody I talk to says universally that that area is the most intense. Oh, dude, the passion that comes out of them is insane, dude. Like it's, it's palpable. Like you can feel it in the air. It's, Dude, it, it, it's insane, you know? Like, there's a reason that we filmed uh, Day of the Gusano in Mexico City. Like, it was one of the craziest shows that we've ever done. And it just gets bigger and bigger every time we go there. So, yeah, it, it's we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, I went to see Maiden a couple a couple weeks ago when they were in New York, and I was talking to their manager, Rod, and he was telling me, you got to get on the plane, you got to come there when we go to Brazil or Mexico or anywhere in Central South America. He goes, you can't, he goes, as much as you think, oh, it's great, we did two nights here in an arena, he goes, it's a, di- a completely different world. And when I think of bands like yours and, and Maiden and, stuff, and Metallica or whatever, when they go down there, it's just, I can't even, because stupid old me, Coming off the plane, there were people outside of customs with pictures of me on the right. set of that metal show sign holding up in the airport. I'm like, what? And I, yeah. so I can't even process like a major rock band what it must be. Oh, dude, it's, it, it reminds you of all of the dreams that you had about doing this when you were a kid. It really is that. You know, like, like everything that when you would close your eyes and imagine what the show would be like, thousands of screaming people, that is exactly what you get when you're down there. And you step on that stage, and I mean, dude, I have, I have goosebumps right now thinking about it. It's that level of crazy. And, mm. I mean, it's, it's a gift, man. You know, we're, we're really, really grateful. Well, listen, man, I, I appreciate the time. I really do. It's great catching up with you. I hope I can get out there myself to and, and see you at one of these shows. I've been all over the map myself. But uh, enjoy your day off. What do you got planned? You're going to get one of those big sandwiches in Pittsburgh with the French fries on it, or what's I, what's the I, what's the Corey Taylor day off plan? <laughs> uh, well, I'm you know sad to say I'm going to go uh, comic book shopping, and right. I'm probably going to probably going to go try and find a guitar. So that's. That's the extent of my exciting day in Pittsburgh. Let's put it that way. I might actually go to the mall where they shot Dawn of the Dead, too, because it's really cool. 
Is that open? It's it's is yeah. that still oh, open? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, out, it's out there in Monroeville. They actually do tours and they show you like all this stuff. It's actually really cool. I've got some cool photos from the last time we were there. But it's open as a regular mall or as a tourist attraction? Oh no, it's a, it's a, it's open. It's still open, still doing business. Um, we were just there two years ago. Man, your nerd card is strong, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, en- I'm and I'm envious. That is not a, that is not a uh, meant as a diss. I mean, I that is just that's impressive shit. I would love to go to that. I wouldn't even think of doing that in Pittsburgh. Dropping Tom Savini. Maybe you get him to go over there with you. You know, it's right. it's. Whew, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen. Great to talk to you. Congrats on the record and uh, travel safe. I'll see you out there soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, brother. It's you too, man. Take it easy. All right, we'll see you. Always good to talk to Corey, and I appreciate him taking some time out from his schedule on what was a day off for Slipknot, as that band continues to do incredible business, both with recordings and, of course, selling tickets out there on the road. I thank him for the time and hope you enjoyed that interview. Remember, you don't want to ever want to miss an episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New ones every Thursday. Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Be sure to subscribe so you never do miss one. Our thanks to Katie Irizarry, puts it all together and produces it. And um, make sure you follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com, the official online home. Music news updated there all the time. All of my appearances, and there are many, are right there on the homepage. So I'll see you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.